This is the Truth Network. Matt Slick is president and founder of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. Matt is a Masters of Divinity and is ordained. He's passionate, and Matt stands firm and lives to defend and promote the Christian faith. Monday through Friday, Matt takes calls from all around the world on his radio show. We've compiled this week's best, Matt Slick's Top Six. Number six. I had a question for you about the Mandela Effect. In regards to a couple passages of scripture, I want to ask you what you remember these passages saying before you look them up. From your memory, what will lie down with the lamb? The lion? Look it up. Okay. It's in Isaiah 11, 6. All right. Okay. What's your point? The wolf. Well, I'm just saying that everybody I've asked so far remembers it being the lion. Yeah, interesting. Number five. How long is a generation in the Bible? A generation is spoken of in different contexts. Some say it's one generation from, you know, a father has a son. And whatever time that might be is a generation. But often at that time back then, they had kids pretty quickly. So you could be a father at the age of 20 and a grandfather at the age of 40. And so a generation could be measured that way. Then it says this generation will not pass until die till all these things occur. So that generation interpretation could be person is born in the year 1000, lives to be 100 years old, and that's a generation of 100 years, just depending. So there's different meanings in different contexts. Number four. I was listening to a pastor, and he was yeah. talking about the generation from 1948 to now, and right. even about 100 years uh, from 1948 to the time when Israel came back and they have the language. That's what he was talking about. Uh, yeah, so in that case, it's May 14th, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. And so this generation will not pass away. So in the partial preterist view, it would be uh, possibly an interpretation is that people born on that day would be that generation, and to the last one who's a living dies. And that's one interpretation, that if it means literally from that time on or that individual or those individuals of that time. You know, there's just difference of interpretations. The full preterists would say that everything was finished in 70 AD. Partial preterists would say, no, not everything was, but some of it was. It'll be fulfilled again later. And that the term generation uh, is part of that. And uh, May 14th, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. So that's one possibility. Okay. Number three. So I guess I'm just trying to understand how Jesus, who's this unsinned man and God, how he would be tempted with sin when we would never say that God the Father is tempted with sin. I'll give the answer, but I'm going to explain a little bit of doctrine to kind of lay a foundation. So the hypostatic union teaches that in the one person of Christ are two distinct natures. The communicatio idiomatum states that the attributes of both natures are ascribed to the single person. So that means that when Jesus was one person, he would say, I am thirsty. So he's claiming the attributes of humanity. He would also say, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. Uh, 2818, he said that he was claiming the attributes of divinity as the single person, I. This means the attributes of his divine nature are ascribed to the single person and God cannot sin. Number two. 
So he could not have sinned, Jesus could not have lied, it's not possible because the attributes of divinity were ascribed to his person. Now, how then could he be tempted? Because, hey, when we tempt, we sin, right? If you go to Psalm 106, verse 14, let me go to verse 13. They quickly forgot his works, that's God's works, the people of Israel who are coming out of the wilderness. They did not wait for his counsel, but craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. There are two kinds of temptation. One is something offered and that's external and one that's internal. So the illustration I use is me, I have no interest in sports. I have none. So if I've got a dinner date with my wife and someone says, hey, Matt, we've got a game to the whatever it is, Boise State football something in the best seats in the house. You want to go? They're tempting me, but I'm not tempted. They're offering it, but internally there is no temptation. However, if they said, hey, look, there is a new computer expo in town and they're giving away new computer setups with everything that you need. I'm like, oh, now I'm tempted. There's a temptation that can be offered, but it's not a challenge to you. A temptation that can be offered, and it is a challenge to you, but you've not succumbed to it, so you've not sinned. You can be tempted. And then there's a temptation that is offered to you, and yet you have sinned. I would suspect that the very least, number one, is the issue of temptation. He could be offered a temptation, but it's not a temptation to it. But on the other hand, he has the attributes of humanity ascribed to his nature, or to his personhood. So there are probably worse things that he could be tempted by the way I'd be tempted. You know, that's tempting. Computer Expo, ooh, it's pretty tempting. And so that to me is a temptation. But I've not sinned in being tempted because I've not succumbed to it. So you see, it's possible that Jesus could be tempted in that sense in his human nature, yet without sin. Goodbye, goodbye. It's time to go. Saying goodbye. Why is it sad? Makes us remember the good times we've had. Come back now, here. I always trust a guy named Matt Slick on the radio. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Matt Slick's Top 6. For more on Matt and his live syndicated call-in radio show, go to truthnetwork.com. Got a question? Matt Slick has your answer. This is the Truth Network.